And now, on with the show. Friday. It's Friday stream. Hello, Andrews. Hey. Look at you in the studio. Oh, yeah. It's been a little while. It has. It's, it's good. I'm glad we had an excuse to do it. Elle's here, too. Hello, Elle. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Mr. Bacon's here. Hello, Cheese. Yo, what up? And last but not least, the one, the only, Wes Payne. Hello, Wes. Woo. Happy stream day. <laughs> it's Friday. Oh, man. I'm so glad it's Friday. I've had a heck of a week this week, but we'll get into that later. We've got a whole bunch of stuff we can recap here for a little bit. But uh, in the honor of Angela being in studio, I have put together a special intro that I feel like captures uh, Angela's fierceness and also uh, her presence when uh, she's on a mission. So uh, I have put together Angela's official intro to the Friday stream. Ladies and gentlemen, Angela Fisher. Yeah? Wow. Yeah, right? It's good. Totally air guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. I got got an audience assembled for you and everything. Uh, We have a lot lot to get into, but we have limited uh, time with Angela today. And so there's something that we must get to right off the top of the show. You don't mind if we jump right into this, do you? No, no. Fight! All right. Well, uh, <laughs> apparently Angela has learned how to take a punch recently, mm-hmm. and I want to know all about this. So as soon as yeah, as soon as she told me I learned how to take a punch, I was like, "Stop talking." <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> you teased me more so, but now I know that now that you've learned to take a punch, uh, I want to know all about this. I assume you went down to the uh, rough streets of Seattle and got in a street fight. No, no, I did not. It was just uh, slightly safer, but uh, I actually went this last weekend to up to Canada. Uh, for a martial arts seminar. Oh, I thought you were going to say to kick ass, because that's what I go to Canada for. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I thought ass was going to be kicked. You know, like, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. But, of course... How did you get into this? This is a... Uh... Well, I I would be interested in, like, a self-defense sure, class. But sure. I'm not interested in just hurting other people, right? I'd rather learn from a... Uh, I don't know. Skilled more, people that know how to do it or whatever? More holistic way, like understanding how my body is going to take the impact, uh, you know, in a in an attack. Right. Well, because then if it happens to you, it's not a shock. Like, right. you're like, oh, okay, I know what's happening. Yeah. So this particular martial art focuses on principle versus technique. Technique is what people typically use, or, or I'm sorry, learn to, um, you know, just fight, 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 fight. Right, right. But the principle is... Like balance, breathing, gravity. Uh, like keep your head. Awareness. You know, just all these other things. Don't so, don't lose your head when you're in a fight. Yeah. And and just be present. And uh, if you're just like in an accident, you know, like right. how drunk drivers tend to be um, less injured because they're not completely. Uh, yeah. Their body's all loose, loose and they're not yeah. like tensed up. Yeah. Um, it's similar to that. If you can have the presence of mind to relax your body, the impacts are not going to um, affect you as much. And so I guess one way to do that would be to take them in a controlled environment. So that mm-hmm. way. When you're out in the real world, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I've done this before. I know what this is like. Right. And and then just things to look for, like changes in body language. You know, if, a, ah. if I'm walking down the streets of Seattle and I see a guy and he's, you know, looking at me in one way and then all of a sudden it changes, I know that, okay, I need to escape. 
Right. You know, like, right. so it's paying Things attention. Things signs to look for. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was really fun. And it, the instructor is a, uh, f- uh, um, a Russian. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a, it's a Russian. A, is, it, is it a woman or a man? It's a man. Does he have um, a Russian accent? He, yes. Oh, oh I love he's it. really hard to understand. But why, so why did you have to go to Vancouver? He is not allowed in the United States. What? Yeah, he's not. What allowed. do you mean? A couple of years ago, he was put on the cannot enter United States list. So what is he a Russian spy to to or something? Cannot answer that. Are you? What? <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, when I walked in, it, it, it was like, it was about 100 people, 90 guys, 10 women. I'm the only one wearing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> only one with my nails did, you know. Uh, but uh, it was really cool. Uh, we started with just basic things like walking around the gym silently and then a little faster and then running, but at the same fast walking speed. And then we started punching people. And uh, the first punch that happened was actually a guy named um, Sergey grabbed my arm and punched somebody else with it. That was cool. What? Yeah. And then um, there were just a bunch of exercises where we paired up. Uh, We did some knife work with uh, fake knives. What? Yeah. And learned how to, you know, deflect the the stabbing coming at us. And there was one guy who's like in his 60s. He's like, you need to be easy on me. I just had shoulder surgery three months ago. And I was like, okay, well, I'm new as of yesterday to this whole, you know, thing. So we should be fine. Well, in about two seconds, I was on my back on the floor. Whoa. And uh, just by the way that I went down, my right leg went up, and he grabbed my ankle with uh, with his arm around it and <laughs> yanked it up. Oh. Right? No, 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 no. No, it didn't hurt me. But it was right when the instructor had whistled and everybody stopped, and when he grabbed onto my leg and pulled me up. You farted. Oh my god, no. Okay. <laughs> I squealed. Oh <laughs> I squealed and the whole gym heard it because everybody and, was quiet. Yeah, it was it was really great. Um he 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 uh, really got me down to the floor fast. So uh it was really interesting and really cool and it introduced a lot of basic um fundamentals of this particular So they hit art. you hard? There was one guy there that hit me too hard twice. Um Karma got him. Oh really? Yep. Yep. Did he get hit in the nuts? No. <laughs> um, he dislocated his shoulder. No. Yeah. Not by punching me, right? That would be really hard. But I don't know. He punched me in the spine twice. What? Yeah. Like what? the whole point of, of this is to, um, well, I mean, you can't uh, determine where you're going to get hit, but the soft tissue or area muscle areas, like that's what you're learning to uh, untense so that you can take the punch. But huh. you can't untense your spine. <laughs> you know, so anyway, I. That's not good. Yeah, that was the that was the only bad part about it. But the rest of it, it was. Did you go home sore? I was sore both. Yeah, it was two days in a row, um, five hours each day. Like, let me get in the bathtub and soak. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Wow, wow. So, would you consider it a workout too? Um, this was fairly uh, lower, lower. Um, did you feel I mean, tough afterwards, though? The first day, I sweat a lot. Yeah. You know, like everybody was sweaty. So, did you uh, feel like a better workout? Though? That yes, um, basically sure. everybody said they were uh, impressed by the level of skill I had, despite oh, really? the fact that it was my first time. Yeah. What about your squeal? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, and then there's like this this weird thing where I worked with an instructor named Tom that uh, like he his he was three feet away from me and he pushed like when he moved forward because I was so aware. I moved backwards. 
Like, like my, I didn't do it on intentionally. Like there was some voodoo about it. Like it's really weird, yeah. but that is the level of awareness uh, that you need to have while you're in mm-hmm. a, um, mm-hmm. in a, well, that was a knife, knife one, hmm. knife exercise. Wow. The knife one. Yeah. So when do they teach you how to deflect bullets? <laughs> yeah. Can you right. go to that one? <laughs> bing, bing, <laughs> bing, bing, doing with your wrist. Pa-choing. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I could get down for that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, it, that's fun. There was some minimal uh, discussion about how to punch correctly, too. And, and that is, it's the same concept. If you relax yourself in the punch, it will go deeper. So it's not a matter of punching harder. It's, a, it's deeper and with intent. So, hmm. um, and it does make a, a big difference. If you relax right before impact, it just goes right through. So... What you're saying is the trick to kick ass is just be totally chill about kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just kick so much ass that you get it's just uh, it's a it's a normal thing, and then you can <laughs> keep your heart rate down. Yeah. yeah, get in the zone, do a little meditation, a little pre-kick <laughs> ass meditation. Well, there you go. Now, now, now the audience can't mess with you. Yep, because now you'll know how to take a punch at least. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you know how to give a punch too? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. All right. Well, that seems like it was I pun- worth it. I punched quite a few guys in the face. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but the beards. The beards. Oh, yeah? What, what about the beards? Is that a good natural... So, dis- are you saying I should grow my beard out? So bushy that I, like, I'm like, where's your... Oh, there it is. You know? And so like I ended up... Like a cushion? Yeah. I ended up punching a little too hard a couple times because I didn't understand where the chin started. There you go, Wes. You better grow out a beard just in case. You know? <laughs> you never know. Not that I'm saying you're going to need it, but it might be a good idea just as a, as a defense mechanism. Maybe that's what the beard's for. I've always wondered, what's the point of the beard, besides keeping your face warm? Safety, yeah. I mean, it just makes... I'm going to have to watch myself when I'm around Angela next, <laughs> too, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Angela's got to go soon, but before she goes, I thought we'd do a little uh, a little stream on boxing. What do you think? Angie, you want to oh, do yeah. it? Oh, yeah. All right, Ooh. so ladies and gentlemen, here in the studio, get ready. We have ourselves a bit of an unboxing. So uh, for the uh, Linux Fest Northwest event coming up, we have some swag. And uh, Angela is uh, sitting in front of that swag right now. Go ahead, Angela. Begin the unboxing process. Let's see what's in the box of Linux Fest Northwest Ooh, swag. It's a I white hope it's box. Spilled right. We got a we got a small white box. What is it? Come on, bring it out. Bring it out. Ooh. Oh, we oh, have ourselves yeah. late. Oh my. Oh geez, we're gonna we're gonna have to send a picture to Cheese. That is. Oh my gosh. Better than I expected. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves quite the swag item. If you're coming to Linux Fest Northwest, this is a limited thing. You have got to get these. And now on with the show. It is a recharge portable battery pack that also includes a phone stand with the new logo on there, and it looks super and, sharp. And a belt clip. I didn't see the belt clip in the preview image. That is cool. And the logo is larger than I... Yeah. It looks, like, I was afraid that it was going to be so small that you wouldn't be able to tell, but it is very it loud looks, and clear. It Jupiter looks really good on the brushed aluminum. Yeah. That looks really good. Those are a premium awesome. swag item. Nice nice job there, Cheese. Nice job. Hello to you. That's great. Mm. That is... <laughs> that is... Smoking them meats. Hello Zuck wants you. one. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Zuck loves them smoked meats, you guys. You know that. Uh, wow, that is definitely some smoked meat right there. That's a that's a premium swag item. That's worth coming to Linux Fest for right there. That's worth the whole trip, I think. Let me just say, uh, if you haven't joined Telegram and the Jupiter Broadcasting chat room, I just posted a preview picture of it. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh my God. There you go. go I'm handy. The, go get in there. All right. So, Ange, I got one last song for you before you go. Tell me what you think of this one, okay? Okay. This is, uh, this is a little remake of a song you might recognize. 
I feel like you're going to approve of this one. I should say I picked this one as well. Yeah, this was a cheese. This was a cheese. This is a cheese original. You recognize it yet? Should be coming to you soon. Brent's already got it, he says. Should I recognize it? Yep. Just that you will here in a moment if you don't. gonna let Angela sneak um, out of here but uh, okay. we'll give her we'll give her a, we'll give her a round of applause Angela everybody thank you for making it in studio this week yep thank you for being here appreciate it I like the way I work it <laughs> no diggity <laughs> no bye diggity. everyone <laughs> thanks for bye. being here I good luck like the kid embarrassed by their parents now are you oh what's the matter this is a great song come on you never you never rocked out to no diggity I don't think I did. Yeah, Not in my town. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Uh, might I might have missed it too. But I can still appreciate a classic. We can all rock out right now. That's right. <laughs> oh my god! I got something to say about that song. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you at the bar still, or did you make it back to your place? I'm. I'm at the oh, bar god, at Brent? my home. Yeah, Brent's so at the bar. A little bit different. Oh, I wish I had one of those. <laughs> all right. What do you There's think? There's two cats here and some water. So it's exciting. That's but. a classic, right? Uh, so I, I recognize that song on the very first drum beat because um, I was introduced to um, this is Chet Faker I was introduced to him yep. very recently oh, yeah, like yeah. maybe just a year ago. Yep. Um, but that video, uh, I'm gonna put a link in in the. Um, uh, I was about to say show notes. IRC. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put a link in the IRC. But that Gosh, video, man. if anybody is really um, into drumming which I am, um, that drummer is amazing. And this was a special sort of, I don't know, live session that they did. It's not their, their typical drummer, I don't think. But that particular um, set, there's like two or three songs that they released there. Yeah. Uh, it's fabulous. Yeah. And it's kind of like takes some of his songs a little bit differently. It's really, really good. So Look. I am impressed that that came up. So thank so you, Cheese. I didn't know you were a, you were a drumming fan. Are you, do you have some uh, musical skills or are you just a fan of it? Like uh, what, how far does this go? So I am, uh, yeah, it's a, it, that's a great question. So my grandmother was super musical and stuff like that and forced her kids to be musical. And some of them were, but my father hated it. So he basically didn't introduce us to any musical stuff, but huh. he's a huge music fan. So he introduced uh, me and my brothers to a ton of music and some really eclectic stuff. Um, you know, some classic rock too, like most of us got probably. Um, but these days I'm still sort of voraciously taking in new music all the time and I get this inkling 
or this strong desire to pick up an instrument, but I've never done it before. So drums is one of those things that I'm just constantly tapping on everything. And I feel like it's one of the <laughs> instruments that I should probably pick up first because I tend to do it naturally anyways. Huh. And so I know nothing about it in yeah. the sense of like, I've never really sat down and But you could visualize played, yourself. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like Does anybody else have any musical uh, connections? I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Chris? I know Ange does, but I don't. No, I don't. Although um, I do sometimes get down, I do get my DJ on, on the live stream, you know, mix in the R. Oh, yeah, you yeah, do. <laughs> oh. I did uh, play a little through high school. I still play a little bit of uh, ukulele from time to time. Really? Nice. The uke? You play a little bit of the nice. uke? Yeah, well, I, I played nice. I played uh, bass guitar a lot more in my youth. Uh, so that's my, that's my one string instrument I keep around because it's so small. Yeah. It's so convenient. I have a bass you playing right now. hanging on the great. wall. It's nice, Wes. This sounds good. I have a trumpet too, but I don't doesn't see much use in my city apartment. <laughs> what about you, Al? You said so. No diggity wasn't uh, your music growing up. Uh, what would you uh, characterize the music of your uh, youth as? So I grew up in Mexico, so we listened to Tejano. <laughs> And a lot of just kind of folk music there. Oh, really? I would love to. You got to do the music then one day, just to like uh, educate me on that. Do some old school mariachi music I would, on here? I would. I would fucking awesome. love that. I would fucking love that. We should totally do that. That'd be so great. Uh, so, uh, you know, Cheese and I have been finding the music, but I want to open it up to everybody to submit music into it. And I'll play it here on the stream. Why not? Well, and can I give a shout out to my friend, Sean, who's joining us in RRC? He's part of the Open Suse band. Hello. Sh- oh, really? Nice. <laughs> yes. That's great. Hello, great Sean. Great video. What, is it, what does he play in uh, the Suse band? You know, have you seen some of the some of the stuff they've done, right? They're, like their videos and stuff? Like it's that, that those folks, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen some of the awkward people dancing in their videos, too. <laughs> yeah, there's that, too. There's some awkward dancing there. Well, that's great. Hello, Sean. Thank you for joining us. That is uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you have to find a few like YouTube clips and send them my way, and I'll uh, pull them down on the soundboard. L. We can totally rock out to that. Rock out to the mariachi bands. Um, so, I figured one of the things we could do with our Friday stream time is uh, review a few clips of the week uh, from the shows, and then we can talk about them more, expand on them, or uh, riff on them, whatever it might be. And uh, kind of an opportunity to see what JB was talking about this week in one central spot. So, ladies and gentlemen, for your approval, I submit our first clip of the week. All right, let's start with Anthos. I think that's how you say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is from Linux Action News, episode 101, talking about Anthos, Google's new cloud product. It's a new name of the Google Cloud Services platform. And it's not just a rebrand, is it? It's Google Cloud Services Platform, but not as you know it. Google has decided to give the service a new name, Anthos, but they've also expanded support to AWS and Azure. Yeah, you heard that right. It's competitors. They have decided that the way to win when you're the underdog is by supporting the competition. This will allow enterprises to use a single platform running on Google's cloud to deploy and manage their applications on any other cloud. The advantage really here is that enterprises get a single bill and have a single dashboard to manage all of their applications. And surprise, surprise, it's all powered by Kubernetes. It's Google's attempt at hybrid cloud, isn't it? Maybe they've been looking over at the IBM Red Hat acquisition thinking, hmm, people don't want to be locked into one particular cloud service provider. They want to be able to hedge their bets a little bit. And 
this seems like a very good strategy to me. It seems like you can't compete with AWS if you just do the same thing they're doing. You need to do something different. And what better way than to say, hey, you're not totally locked into us, even though I get the feeling that you kind of might be. Well, I mean, you get if you get hooked on that nice dashboard sauce, I think you would be. Um, Google says that uh, this is from their Google Cloud CEO, uh, Thomas Corain, uh, I think is how you say his last name. He said that customers are coming to them and saying, Google, Google, please give us an integrated solution that solves this problem. It's too much. And let's be honest, there is probably some truth there because IBM didn't buy Red Hat for no reason at all. Hybrid, integrated, multi-cloud architectures are supposedly the future. Nobody likes themselves some lock-in unless you're the vendor providing integration across all the services, then we'll lock into you. Wes, I, I complained in this episode of Linux Action News that the name Anthos sounded derivative of Azure and AWS. Now, all of the major cloud providers all have a name that starts with A. I don't know. What do you think of this Anthos news? I mean, it, it totally makes sense from a business perspective. I'm kind of surprised that they weren't doing something similar before. It is weird that they've all sort of standardized, but I guess they come up in the yellow pages, just right at the top, right under cloud <laughs> services. <laughs> Boom! The yellow I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, say a lot to me as a name, really. I guess their other one wasn't too much better, cloud pro- platform yeah, services or whatever Google's it was. name at least in it. You know, you knew it was a Google product. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But, you know, with Alphabet and everything else, it seems like they're getting away from that. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. What do you think, El? What do you think, Cheese? I guess it's early days for Google Cloud, right? Like, if they're going to make this move, they got to make it now, I suppose. I guess yeah, I mean, they need to jump in where they can, I feel. But yeah, Anthos, Thanos, I don't Ooh. know. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, of course they got to jump in, right? They, they're so big that they need to be in the market. Yeah. You gotta have a um, you gotta have a friendly name too. In fact, maybe they're maybe Wes is onto something. Maybe they're hedging their bet that the Google brand name is gonna go down in popularity, and so to protect these properties, they gotta have a different name for it. Maybe that's probably. It. I I could see that for sure. Yeah. Well, in honor of El's guest uh, Sue Sean in the chat room, I thought we'd do one more unplanned musical break. We'll just do a little one here. This is Kubernetes, a Seuss musical parody by the uh, folks over. At Susa. Services are 
Kubernetes. <laughs> you gotta scale, 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 real quick. Kubernetes. Amazing. That was <laughs> really <This> amazing. <laughs> that was great. She has an amazing voice. Does she work for SUSE or did they hire her? I, I don't. Sounds like most of them are SUSE employees. That's uh. Yeah. Wow. Her wow. range is killer, man. Quite the production value in those videos, yeah. too. Sean's in there rocking the bass, too, man. Is, isn't that something? A little, way, little, little bit back, there was a killer little bass riff there. Yeah, nice job, Sean. I mean, that's like the difference between like uh, like a half-ass parody and like a seriously good parody. Is like, and the, uh, they, they close that uncanny gap there. That's pretty impressive. That'll be my reason to go to Suse Con to interview the band. Right? No kidding. That would actually be <laughs> probably I'd that to a few drunk people. They do you need roadies? <laughs> you wouldn't know the difference, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I show up absolutely. With my own you could pass that off here. <laughs> All right. Um, should we move on? That was fun. Thanks for just linking that, Sean. I, w- I wouldn't grab that real quick, though. We could include it. All right. Well, um, let's move on with another clip from the week. Uh, this one is from episode 353 of your Coda Radio program. And Mike proposes a radical suggestion. It's going to rock the foundation of our audience. And it's rather simple. Don't you think there's value, particularly for the audience of this show, to say, you know what, every once in a while, you do have to like run the operating system that your end users are running. And maybe you don't want to like partition your drives because, you know, and NVMe drives are stupidly small most of the time when you get them. And like, if you're running Linux anyway, like, honestly, I maybe maybe I'm just like too ignorant of the current Linux community, even though I run it every day. I like the GUI apps I use on Linux are all like Electron apps for the most part, right? I mean, obviously Firefox isn't blah, blah, blah. But right, but that's just a bra- it's either a browser or an Electron app or a terminal. At least right, that, that's basically true for myself as well. Right, when I'm working in Linux, I'm effectively working in Bash or some other you know terminal esque environment. Maybe we would be wise to consider let's get all the app compatibility of Windows and still be able to do our work in the environment. Oh, and by the way, like maybe I'm like over identifying just a little bit because I do have like a Windows application that I sell and support. So it is a huge pain in the ass when I like have to go dig out a Windows laptop. <laughs> mm, yes, no, that's fair. But I don't know with with you know with the rise of Electron, with like I believe, and I know this is like hot take alert, that on the command line, Linux is a superior environment. I wish Mac would get their shit together, but they they just won't. I mean, look, I'm going to take a little platform diversion here, but look at like Lutris, which is, uh, I, mean, I, I know you know what it is, but for the audience, the uh, cross-platform uh, play Windows game on Linux app that's now in the Pop! OS store. We're, we're jumping through all kinds of hurdles to make that stuff work. So are you, are you just proposing we, we should just switch it up and go the opposite route? Well, I'm proposing it's a two-horse race, right? That none of that stuff even exists on Mac OS. Mm, so yeah, you, yeah you, you're right. You don't even have that option. Where on Linux, yes, you have to jump through the hoops. And I don't know, like, why not have the Windows Action Show and just talk about different versions of the WSL all day? Why not, you know, why don't we all get the Windows logo tattooed on our butts? I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What I liked about what Mike was saying there is it kind of challenges some of my preconceptions. Like, uh, why don't we have a Windows show? You know, I, mean, there, I guess there's no reason that we we couldn't. Yeah, there's yeah. plenty of open source stuff that runs on Windows, right? Yeah, 
I was looking through the archives the other day when uh, when you guys put out the new uh, website, and I remember seeing Windows Action Show or something yeah. similar to that. Is that true? Yeah, yeah we did do uh, a we did do a uh, probably my favorite episode that Brian and I ever did. We did a, a parody episode where um, <clears throat> man, the timing was so great because Windows Eight just came out in beta, and it was a hot mess, and so it was a lot of fun to just sit there and. It was an April Fool's episode, and we could just pretend like we were super enthused about Windows when it was obviously a piece of crap, and it was actively failing on on camera on demo. And then we kind of went like next level deep and went we like pretend fanboys and like then started justifying why it was running so poorly and why that was totally okay. And I just really enjoyed that. <sighs> that was good. But that's like a joke you can do once, right? And then it's then it's basically done. But there is maybe some logic to it as. Uh, I don't know, maybe more and more developers use Windows to develop web applications and things like that. Um, I don't know. Is there anything interesting on Windows? The Windows subsystem for Linux. <laughs> yeah, all those great Linux things you can run now. How, how good is Wes and Mike together on Coda Radio, guys? Huh? Isn't that great? That's super good. Yeah, they're really good, man. Really like it. It's been fun. And, you know, I really like, as Mike's been journeying over to, you know, using more Linux and stuff, mm-hmm. he brings his own very pragmatic viewpoint, and I like that a lot. We've got something cool going on right now where we've got uh, Jason, L, and Mike all coming at Linux desktop in different directions. And so they're all discovering different things. And so we're getting like really good internal research on the team right now that is reminding me a lot of what it's like to switch to Linux because I've been here for so long that um, I don't have a Windows application that I need to run anymore. I haven't run a Windows application for 10 years. So I don't, you know, I don't. I don't connect with that as much anymore. And You're just out of touch, man. I prefer to use the command line, right? So I don't connect with the effort to try to find a GUI application and stuff like that. Uh, but I did at one point, so it's been really, it's been really good. Uh, Elle, what's your current Linux setup right now? Are you still on Pop? Uh, have you done the upgrade yet? I did it over lunch, and it was one of the easiest. Uh, I just really enjoyed the experience. I was a little sad there was nothing like celebrating it at Reboot, like with some <laughs> trumpets or something. Welcome to 1904. <laughs> I would have loved that. Yes, please. Next time. <laughs> cool. I'm glad it. I'm glad it was painless, though. That's a good sign. It's better that it's a non-event than a big event, I suppose. Right. It was the first time I've ever had an update that was that communicative. You know, mm. you normally you just run it and it just happens. And it just kept kind of telling me what was going on through the process. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Hey, we're going to need a restart. You know, these libraries are going to be updated. Are you sure it's not going to conflict with anything? Did you like that or was it too much? I did because I really felt like I understood what was going on. And had I had some third party proprietary thing, I felt that I would have been more educated and know when I was about to break my system. Mm. So because it was it really explained things and was giving you line by line what was going on. So do you notice any things uh, snappier? Does does the desktop feel any faster? Not yet. I actually had to pull up the terminal and go and check OS release just to make <laughs> sure it happened. Wow, that really is a non-event. Wow. Well, that's so good to know. Trumpets next time, please. <laughs> well, good job for them. I really got to say, like, uh, congratulations to System76. That's not an easy thing to pull off. So that's, I think that's good. They, got, they pulled out the uh, the magic wand on that one. All right. Well, very good. Good to hear that that, that worked and uh, still making me kind of want to try out Pop! OS after I get through this uh, current XFCE kick I'm on. All right. Speaking of Pop! OS, it got some attention from Linus Tech Tips, and that was one of the subjects of discussion on Linux Unplugged 
2.97. For Pop! OS and Manjaro, and actually for a number of other distros we didn't cover today, the steps basically boil down to install the OS, install Steam or Lutris, and start playing. That's what makes these distros especially enticing for gamers. But while Manjaro is set up well to cater to gamers out of the box, it's not going to be as stable as a distro like Ubuntu. And that's why Pop! OS and others like it try to bridge that gap with updated drivers while still retaining excellent community support and stable packages, which makes them a good choice for getting your feet wet. So Emma, I'm curious what System76 has seen as response to this video. So we've had thousands of gigabytes of data downloaded. We had, um, since then, we've had 18,000, almost 18,000 downloads of Pop! OS. <laughs> it's very exciting. Are you seeing higher than average, uh, like people sticking around now that the video has been out for a little bit? Like, are the downloads still remaining high? Yes, we're seeing about 2,000 per day. The, the first day was about 5,000, and each day after has been 2,000 or more. So, <laughs> Wow, congratulations. That is an achievement right there. That is fantastic. And um, I think, you know, the, the, overall, the last few months, I've seen more and more people talking about Pop! OS, using Pop! OS. It's becoming more and more... Um, of a well-established distribution. Well, thank you. You are almost enticing me, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of effort that's been put in there to tune some things, and I think people are talking about that, and other people are picking it up and be like, oh, I want that. Why, why doesn't my computer do it already? Yeah, and I've heard rumors that there'll be a new installer, that the new installer will support CFS soon, and things like that. So there's other advantages that start to make it appealing, besides just uh, a few other things, like maybe a new theme or a different way to encrypt the hard drive. But there's other things that are been coming along that really seemed like a pretty good innovation or at least a nice value add in the case like this easy access to steam and right. whatnot that got the attention of the folks over at linus tech tips i <laughs> got it and uh, thank you <laughs> and um i just i'm really happy to hear that uh that you guys have gotten some uh, some traffic from it and i'd be curious to know what the manjaro project has seen because the manjaro got a, f a fair amount of yeah. mentions mm -hmm. they lean pop os though towards the end and i think for good reason especially for the type this, of user. Yeah, for the video that this and the audience they're aiming for, that's probably yeah. the best advice. But the title, Microsoft should be very worried, all uppercase very, very worried. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Manjaro got another mention on Linus Tech Tips uh, on one of their latest videos that went out after that other video, where it was uh, something to the effect of run Mac OS on any PC, and they do a a GPU pass through to the virtual to the virtual machine and then they install Mac OS in a virtual machine they dedicate the GPU they dedicate a USB PCI card to it and then you run you run Mac OS via a VM that is GPU accelerated and they used Manjaro to uh, to do it so Manjaro and Pop OS getting a lot of love well I, I guess they hired some Linux guy over there huh I should get that guy on the I show guess. um Pop! OS was having some problems earlier too with its CDN in some regions for its ISO downloads Apparently that's fixed now, though, oh, across the board. So. Good. 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 Go up them out by giving them, giving them into test install. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder. Brent, are you on uh, stock Ubuntu? You thinking about giving... Oh, you, you know the answer to this. Have you thought about, uh, have you thought about giving Pop! OS a try? You know, it's funny that this is all coming up because the other day I found the Pop! OS uh, USB stick that I got the next oh. last, last year. Yeah. And it was just on my desk here under a few papers. And I grabbed it and I went, oh, yeah, I got to try that. And I threw it in my uh, my everyday bag. So hmm. soon. soon. I, I feel like both Manjaro and Pop! OS are crossing another threshold, another echelon. 
Like they're they're moving up. Both of them are moving up in the ranks of distributions, getting more Absolutely. recognition, more usage. Well, what I does mean, it all I mean? Use, uh, I use Manjaro on an old uh, two in one Dell two in one. Yeah, I'm thinking like of three thousand series. Runs I'm thinking, great. I'm thinking I got to give it a go with my new uh, taste for XFCE. Why don't I just try it? Because I keep everybody says Manjaro's got one of the best XFCE desktops out there. Maybe and that's that's what I'm actually using on that old Dell. And would you agree? Uh, would you say it's one of the XPS? But yeah, I mean, even uh, for that little two-in-one, it, the touchscreen support, I mean, works fine out of the box. Haven't had any problems. Whereas other distros, you know, you would have issues where the screen would rotate, and so you'd have to go back in and you know get that sorted out. But um, out of the box XFCE spin of Manjaro worked has worked flawless. Good. All right. That's a good plug. I'll give it's it. It's been a while since you've been rolling there, Chris. I know. It might be a, it might be a fun ride. That's what I was thinking. Is I do love it. I do really love it. You know it. And then if I get, do you get the AUR with Manjaro? I, I don't. I mean, why wouldn't you? I would think yeah. so, right? I mean, you just install you know the packages that that work yeah. with it, and uh, you're off to the races. Jeez. Hello to you. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Chris, the reason that I'm on a rolling release is your fault. So ever since you got off, I've still been on. So oh really? You. Oh okay, okay. I guess I, I guess I'm doing I... the Antergos thing. Right, Back right. You and Brown Bear were yep. really into it. Right. Still, I mean, honestly, it's still pretty great. It really is. <clears throat> how, how long have you been on that one install, Brent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this would wow. be. Um, I think it's like. A year and a half to yeah, a year and a half huh. would be my best guess. That's that's pretty good. Wow. That's and there's good. been nice. you know there's been a, a few little things here and there as you need to do. I suppose is the normal thing with some arch based systems. Like, little fixes uh, here. And there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's my experience with rolling releases too. I, I, I a little while ago ran um, Linux Mint Debian edition. Oh yeah. Uh, that was my first sort of adventure into the rolling because uh, I love the concept but it seems to me there's always a little bit of maintenance you got to do from time to time just to make sure you know they, there's some changes that they make that they just can't do on your end Logical. that you have to do manually but uh, other than that uh, it's been fabulous uh, having sort of uh, well the Archbase system makes sure that I have um, the newest software pretty darn quick like yeah. within days that stuff comes out so um, so it's a real uh, it's a real pickle between having the newest and greatest and, and dealing with these little problems here and there. But um, I, I don't see myself changing anytime soon. So Awesome, dude. Yeah, that is. All right, well, this is the point in the show. There's no avoiding it. We got to talk about BSD. And we're back with a regular episode for you this week, as promised. And the first item that we have this week is a Pi-Powered Plan 9 cluster. Ooh. Yes. Uh, so this is a four-node cluster for experimenting with distributed operating systems and running Plan 9. I didn't know you could run Plan 9 on ARM. Mm, apparently they made it uh, work. Yep. Uh, Plan 9 is uh, a development OS from Bell Labs back in the day when they were, uh, after they had done Unix, they were thinking, how would we do Unix differently if we were to do it over again? Um, but it came from the yeah, same stable as Unix, uh, which of course is what Linux was then designed to try to be like and what OS X runs on top of. Uh, just like Unix, Plan 9 was developed as a research OS, a vehicle for trying out new concepts, but with uh, building on key Unix principles and taking the ideas of devices or just files even further. Uh, so like um, to create a socket on Plan 9, you actually just create a file in this 
special directory with its like, you know, the IP address you want to connect to, the port you want to connect to, etc. Uh, and by creating that file, it opens a socket and then you read and write to that file and so on. It's, it's kind of interesting. Mm. Uh, so anyway, in the post, uh, they take a quick look at the Plan 9 OS and some of its notable features before moving on to how to construct a self-contained four-node Raspberry Pi cluster uh, that would actually let them play with using it as a distributed operating system. Oh, okay. And there's pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, I mean, Pi clusters we've seen already, but with Plan 9, that is that is something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got a nice housing for it and got it all hooked up pretty interesting mm -hmm. oh they even got the embossed um plan 9 mascot the logo yeah <laughs> yeah well if you want to run this for longer then you might as well have it mm -hmm. uh present somewhere that people can see it and the most important question was why they say <laughs> you might be thinking but why would you want to build such a thing? And the possible answer for each include because you can. And in this case, while Plan 9 may not be uh, destined for world domination, it is fascinating from an operating system engineering perspective. And as previously noted, ideas taken from it have gone on to be implemented elsewhere. Fascinating. I, I picked that clip because that's like something only the BSD Now program would talk about. And it's so cool. Like Plan 9 is really cool. Don't know anything about it. Run it on Raspberry Pis, super cool. Don't know how you do it, and doing it in a cluster, super even cooler. Don't know how you do that either, and that's a, a perfect example of uh, the BSC Now program in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> I don't know what the hell Plan Nine is, other than it looks great. <clears throat> it looks great. It's a Unix clone, apparently. Apparently, apparently, looks there's some fans in the chat room, so yeah, that's all. Yeah, that matters. A, I mean, it's a fascinating yeah. operating system. They developed some, you know, took took some of the ideas from Unix and really took them in a whole other direction all their own. Is it like one of those like BIOS type uh, like gems that uh, was kind of a brilliant design but just never really took off? No, I mean, it seemed like it was more of a research operating ah, system okay. in many respects. So I don't know that world domination was ever necessarily a goal. Hmm. Just a research project. Interesting. I had a chance to chat with uh, one of my fellow VPs at Linux Academy. His name is Terry Cox. And he is, uh, he's L's former boss. Ellie, you should say something super uh, embarrassing about Terry. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, come on. He's the arch villain in my containers talk, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good for that too. Uh, and so, um, well, I won't say, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil too much. I'll just say uh, I've been, I had been really looking forward to chatting with Terry on the show. And so I finally had a chance to do it. And I thought, let's throw it in the Friday stream. Now, there is one individual when I joined Linux Academy that I knew immediately I wanted to win over. And that was Terry Cox. Not because I knew that in a fight, he would be a great ally, but because I knew this man understood the fight to make content the challenge. And so I've been looking for an excuse to chat with him for a long time. I eventually just couldn't come up with one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vice President of Content at Linux Academy, Terry Cox. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. So Terry is, well, he was one of the original training architects at Linux Academy. And now, Terry, you run the team. Uh, I do. I've been around for a day or two now. Um, most of your audience, if they're members of Linux Academy, have probably heard my voice. But yeah, we've got about uh, 36 full-time uh, training architects that work on my team that develop all the content that, that you hear and see on Linux Academy right now. Did you say, wait, wait a minute. Did you say 36? That's correct. <laughs> You're going to take over the company, Terry. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, be 
Yeah, I believe I've got uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 50 people in my, in the organization that I lead. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat then, because <laughs> I'm sure you're a busy guy. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, I was going to ask you, you know, I've done a few of the live streams now, and uh, I've noticed that you've got a bit of a reputation amongst the students. And I'm curious now, somebody who, like you say, has been doing this for a few days, uh, what is it about what you're doing that you think causes a following? Is it... Is it something about you? Is it uh, is it your style? Is it the the training that you're doing? What do you think it is that causes sort of a cult following? I think it's a combination of things, but the the, the training obviously is is probably the largest component. But uh, I like to think that I brought a little bit of enthusiasm and personality to the training. Uh, I enjoy very much what what I was doing in creating content and and working with our student community and seeing how what I'm doing helps them to be successful, whether that's promotions or or getting a new job or you know in some cases even staying in the country when when contracts ended. So I, I'd like to think that some of that comes through and a little bit of personality that that I, I interject uh, used to put. Uh, questions that are related to what I would call nerd culture within my videos and see who responded to them. So yeah, I I got a little bit of a following over time. (laughs) And it's sort of now that I wonder if you're taking on more management, do you feel like you're losing connection with that a little bit? Uh, Is that, is that, um, do you miss that aspect of the job more now that you're kind of in charge of a team and less direct hands on with the courseware? I do miss that a little bit, Uh, being a little bit more visible, interacting directly about content that I've created with the the student community. But I will tell you that it's been extremely gratifying to to scale the team to the point where we can just create so much of the content that everybody's looking for. When when I was doing content, we were less than a third of the size that we are now. We've just scaled tremendously over the last 12 months. And, you know, I have so many open positions right now where we're going to continue to scale over the, the, the coming year in 2019. Hmm. What are the main positions you have open right now? Do you want to give them a plug? Oh, gosh, please. Go uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for training architects for, for Azure, for AWS, for Google, for Linux. There's lots of exciting Linux stuff coming out. And with the Red Hat uh, 8 going to come out of beta at some point, mm-hmm. all of that will be refreshed. So I'm sure <laughs> you guys are going to have a lot of stuff to talk about there as well. Oh, yeah. We're, we want to cover uh, Ubuntu specifically and a lot deeper than than we have in the past. And you know, containers and Kubernetes always continue to be um, a, a big deal for us. So we've got container positions open, and we just started um, introducing more programming like courses, like Introduction to Python, which is currently our, our number one started course yeah. on Linux Academy, which is amazing to me. So we're going to start recruiting some additional uh, training architects for doing programming as well. Jeez. I mean, the scale at which it is now. I mean, when you started doing uh, the original uh, training material that you worked on, um, I mean, there was a lot of areas. AWS obviously was a big presence, so it wasn't like the cloud didn't exist. But you just look at the numbers you're scaling up your team size to. uh, It it seems like the market is just rapidly expanding, and there's so many areas now that that people need to train up in. I don't know. I just would – do you have any, like, context for, like – what it, what it is compared to what it was even four or five years ago? So, yeah, when I started doing content for Linux Academy, I was actually the only other person other than Anthony that was working on the site. But even when I started full time just a little over three and a half years ago, there were five of us. Um, and now we're somewhere <laughs> in the neighborhood of 125, I believe, is, yeah. is, as of this morning. Mm-hmm. 
So the and the training architects are obviously uh, a good portion, you know, almost twenty five percent of the entire organization. So you know, we've got a lot of stuff to do, and it's it's being driven by. Even on the open source side, everybody's getting into certifications and even more so the accelerated refresh necessary f- to keep on top of the latest versions and changes to cloud count consoles and new versions that are coming out. So we're in a constant state of we've got new stuff we've got to do, but then we've got to maintain and refresh the stuff that we've already done so that it continues to be valuable. Yeah, that seems like um, when you talk about the amount of content you're creating, you almost open yourself up to like a knee-jerk criticism that is, well, if you're making so much content, then obviously you must be skimping on the quality or the old stuff must be suffering. Um, That has to be not only a constant battle, but it must be a hard criticism to hear constantly. It is, and it's it's one of the reasons that we are scaling as quickly as we can because – I'm not going to speak specifically about competition. Competition exists in every uh, industry, and we certainly have our competition. One of the the, the things that we try to do is we have so many components that go into courses that we have got the labs and and interactive diagrams and videos and flashcards and exams, etc. Not everybody has all of those components, and we've got all of them in single courses. So we typically are not going to be first to market for something that's brand new. We take longer to create those content components at a high level of quality, and we care so much about the success of our students, we absolutely refuse to hurry the process along because the success of our students is what drives what we do. So if that means that somebody comes out with something quicker than us and it's a four or five hour course – they, they 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 were able to make the announcement before we are. But when we were n- announce our courses for cloud certifications, for example, they're 15, 20, 25, 30 hour courses with dozens of hands on labs and things that help people be successful. So that's a little bit challenging on our part to, to hear those criticisms that we're not keeping things up to date or, or refreshing them fast enough. We're absolutely scaling to do the, the best job that we can as quick as we can. Yeah, I've seen it. Like all complex fields of work, you can't fully grasp how much work it is until you've been in the trenches doing it. Absolutely. We ask a lot of our training architects, and they have to be not only experts in their field, but experts in the tools that help relate what it is they're trying to get across to the students in an efficient, uh, scalable manner. So that can be an additional skill set that we need from our training architects, and it, it just takes some time. And for yourself... It sort of means becoming a a different kind of boss or manager as your team grows to meet the demand. So, like, you have to keep going through some version of iteration yourself. I do. In, in fact, in, in, we, we're constantly doing roadmap discussions because the velocity of change in technology in general – um, requires that you know we, we couldn't possibly set an entire roadmap and lock it down three months or more ahead of time as much as we might like to be able to do that <laughs> simply because we have to maintain the agility and the flexibility to react to announcements as they come out mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate but we're not generally in a in any better of a position to know what's coming until it does come out on the open source side we get a little bit more of a heads up because it's it's open source. There's a lot more discussion about it, but unless we 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 get a heads up kind of on the sly for a lot of certifications, particularly in the cloud space, we know when you know. Yeah, they're moving fast, um, and so it's been even since I've joined the team, it's been interesting to watch Linux Academy adapt to. I think content velocity is a good phrase. Um, so when I first started, 
uh, it was they were they were doing live stream announcements of the content, and there were some live stream issues. So I, I contacted Anthony. And I said, "Hey, you know, I think I could help with this." And um, you know, we did a few of those. We did we just did them up until uh, this quarter, and then we had a sit down and we said, "You know, there is so much stuff that we're making now that the way we even announce it has to change. The way we even tell the students about it has to change because it's just the from a from where where Terry sits, from where marketing sits, all the way up to where the CEO sits. Like we have to constantly adapt and change as the uh, scope of what we're doing grows. That's um that means. Uh, in a way, Terry, like you have to be both the rock and also totally okay with change. Like that's a re- really weird dichotomy. It it is, uh, and and I think you know scaling, as you mentioned, drives so much of that. When when we did our first set of streaming announcements, I believe we announced um, fifteen courses over the course of right. a month's time, and at, at this quarter, it's over thirty. So we've doubled that. So the, the, if we continued to do those those live streams, we'd have to provide such little information about each of those to get through them that it makes, I think, a lot more sense uh, for everybody to, to, to bite it off in weekly chunks, yeah. which I, I, I really like the streaming format that, that Anthony is using right now in particular. And we've just got a lot of content that was just done in the first quarter that – is actually going to be public here shortly, but we'll be announcing it over the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're doing uh, really quick, easy to watch uh, weekly updates. Go to l- youtube.com slash linuxacademycom, and if you subscribe there, you'll get the weekly update where all the content that they can cover is getting in there. And, of course, you can also just uh, log into the platform, go over to the advanced search area, sort by release date, and take a look chronologically what's come out. It's pretty impressive. You guys are really cranking it out, Terry. I'm my hat's off to you. I know what it takes to make content at that scale, and it just it's damn impressive to me. I really respect it. That's why I've been wanting to get you on here for so long because, like, I really kind of you know from a content standpoint have so much respect for what you guys are cranking out at the pace you're doing it, and at which the um, what's the way to put it? Like, I put something out on YouTube, and I get a few you know I get a few hecklers in the comments, right? But this is a whole other scale of scrutiny that your stuff's under. So it's a whole other scale. It, it is because all of our students have the ability to rate all of our content, give it a thumbs up and a thumbs down. And if you give it a thumbs down, uh, you have the ability to let us know why you gave it a thumbs down. And more importantly, we react to all of that feedback. If you give us a rating, you're going to get a response from the training architect or, or one of our CSMs that's going to either offer the explanation, answer your question. And in some cases, as much as we would like not to ever make a mistake, sometimes we do and we have to make a correction. <laughs> <laughs> or something needs an update, and we'll go through and we'll we'll provide that information. We'll make those updates, and then we respond to all of that feedback. But that you can give us a thumbs up and a thumbs down on videos, on labs, on individual exam questions. So you can pretty much rate anything that you'd like. I'm just I'm just envisioning uh, like uh, for every uh, nasty Reddit or YouTube comment that the podcast get, we create it. We would have to create an in-house ticket and then assign a staff member to like address that comment. I just <laughs> couldn't imagine, Terry. Couldn't imagine. <laughs> it's I, I I won't go into numbers, but but it's a lot, and and it isn't because we get uh, it, it's because we give access to the to the training architects. A, a lot of times we get a rating that is somebody just wants to ask a question, and uh, it has nothing to do with the content but but they know that we will respond to it which is why it happens 
<laughs> of course. Yeah, there's also there's things like the community Slack and, of course, the uh, mm-hmm. community discourse uh, where uh, training architects participate as well. So there are other other avenues, but it makes sense that they would figure that out. Well, Terry, thank you for chatting with me. I know you've got a lot to do. Terry Cox is the vice president of content at Linux Academy, and they are cranking stuff out. And to celebrate right now, there's a 299 yearly promo. If you go to linuxacademy.com and sign up, you can get a great deal. Lock that price in. There's not a lot of promos these days, so that's a great one to take advantage of, especially as tons of new, updated, and brand new content is rolling out. Terry, thank you. Friday stream. What do you think? The Terry, that Terry Cox is a nice guy. Yes, he is. At least, uh, yeah. at least I've always had good interactions, with, good experiences with him. You know, I've I've never I haven't I haven't uh, talked to him since I've started there at Linux Academy, but I did win some stuff from his uh, trivia at Texas Linux last year. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, yeah. Interesting. All right, the last clip of the week, and this is Jason, and uh, I'm not alone. He's really liking XFCE too. I don't know what's going on. Until now, I had sort of mistaken light and efficient for ugly. It's ugly, but hey, it's going to breathe life back into your old hardware. But it breathed new life into my fairly newer hardware. And what I'm stuck with now, and again, I'll have to say you bastard, <laughs> I was perfectly happy with GNOME. I was perfectly happy with Pop! OS 1810. And now I'm, I'm honestly considering a switch to Manjaro XFCE because of this experience. I'm right there with him. I'm right there with him. It's just something about you get to a, you get to a point where you just want your computer to just be a tool that just is a, is as efficient as possible, and you throw XFCE on there, and you you spend a couple of minutes setting it up, and then you've got a menu, you've got a quick launch, you've got a task switcher, you've got a file manager, and you got a terminal. Like you're good to go, and you're using a fraction of the memory, and this code just seems to be s- simpler, and everything launches faster. <laughs> So uh, I've I've just really loved it. I should have known. I should have known. I just hate that Joe was right all along. You know, that's really what gets me crazy. Is it means like this whole year he's been telling me to switch to XFCE. He was right. And I, Wes, I think we should put it here in the studio. Yeah, I, I have no objections. Uh, XFCE. I was a longtime user uh, after after the first start of the the Unity days uh, when Ubuntu first made that switch. Mm. I needed somewhere to go, and uh, XFCE was my home. For a yeah. long time then. Yeah, I, I just resisted it because it felt like, oh, I did that 10 years ago. You know? I did mm, that. Well, yeah. But the uh, nice part is, you know, it's just gotten better and uh, you can still come home. I just like how easily customizable it is. Joe is a bastard. Joe's a bastard. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe you. I mean, how did you manage to get both Jason and I at the same time? What do you think? How did that happen? I put something in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are very you are very precious about your water, so I could believe it. I could believe <laughs> it. Wow. Yeah, I, I hate it. But it does seem like it would make perfect sense for the studio machines. Not that plasma's really been much of an issue. It's just um like right now, uh on the OBS machine, I was a little concerned before we went live because eighty five percent of our memory is in use right now on the OBS machine. And I, I went to go, okay, so what's using so much memory? Uh, and what is it? What is the actual process called? Let me see. Let me tell you. I'll pull it up right now. Um, beep, 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 beep. The uh, yeah, yeah. So the process is plasma shell, and it is using one point four gigs of RAM right now. Um, 
which is interesting because earlier it was using 399 megabytes when I looked at it. So it's gone up. <laughs> and OBS itself is also using 1.6 gigs of RAM right now. <laughs> so we've got a lot of memory usage going on on the OBS machine. And I'm just thinking, I don't know, I could take that off. Maybe maybe put XFCE on there. I'm using 1.4 gigabytes at the moment, and I've got Mumble open, Firefox with a few tabs, text editor, some other stuff. So, you know. I, you know, I was willing to buy a machine with a lot of RAM. I mean, I run Electron apps, you know. I'll dedicate. Yeah, that's always the other, that's the other option, right? We just keep adding more. That's what I figured. You know, I'll get, a, I'll get a laptop with 32 gigabytes of RAM. But it doesn't necessarily make the interface faster. Like, just having more RAM, okay, so I'm not paging, but it doesn't make the animations faster. It doesn't make the applications launch faster. If you weren't running out of RAM before, it doesn't, you know, having even more RAM doesn't make it faster. So it really is, it comes to a point where it's got to be the software itself. And you know, the only issue that I had was screen tearing. And as soon as I mentioned that on Choose Linux this week, I've had a couple of members of the community, the listeners, get in touch. And where did they point me to fix it? The ArchWiki, (laughs) of course. So what is it? And sure enough, it's fixed it. What's the, oh, really? What was the cause? Well, the I don't know what the cause is, but the solution is to um, add something to the xorg.conf folder, um, just create a file in there with various things in it. I just blindly copy-pasted it, um, nice. restarted, and it worked. Huh. Huh. Was it something to do with vSync or something? Do you remember? Well, there's various causes of it. I think that your mileage is going to vary depending on what system you've got, but on my all Intel. One, it was just a case of, I can't even remember what it's called now. It's just like it's some option that involves um, screen tearing or something, and just it just miraculously worked. Hmm. All right. Well, if I run into that, I'll know what to dig around for then. That's that's uh, that's. Good. I haven't actually seen any tearing yet, but I suppose, I suppose I, I haven't, I haven't done any video games yet, but I have done like full screen terminals and stuff. With text flying by and stuff. Didn't see any tearing. Well, I noticed mostly on videos when there's a pan shot from left to right oh, or right yeah, to sure. left. That's when you really notice it. Yeah, well, it's X kind is, of different on each system. X is classically bad at that. That might not just be an XFCE thing. X is bad. That's one of the things Wayland is supposed to help with. You know? Well, yeah, but I have tested the same hardware with the same version of Ubuntu with uh, Mate, Plasma, uh, XFCE, and they all handle it slightly differently, and the way they kind of blur is a little bit different, but XFCE is definitely the worst for tearing, uh, at least in the default state. But I think that something the Manjaro do might be different. I don't know. I've only just started to investigate this over the last day or so, so I need to do some kind of a deep dive on it and see exactly what's going on. And I think it might be different for NVIDIA and... Um, AMD cards and stuff. So yeah, it's it's kind of on my to-do list. If I didn't have a million things to do before coming over there, <laughs> then I'd probably have managed it by now. Fascinating. Yeah, you know what? You should uh, join us in the studio next Friday for the Friday stream. Yeah, man. Yeah, and maybe Tuesday for LUP as well before I fly out. That'd be cool. What t- do you know? What time Amazing. you have to fly out? I think the flight is seven, so it's going to be uh, tight. Yeah, it might be. You might be able to start, you know, and then head out. I don't know. What do you think? Wes? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. This should be doable, right? I would, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, because we, I mean, we get started at two, so there's, yeah. there's definitely some time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> cool. Well, uh, I guess uh, anybody else have anything for the class before we go this week? Cheese or Al, you guys have anything you want to share with the group before we before we skedaddle this week? Friday stream. No. This Friday have a good week. Have yeah. A good weekend. 
Enjoy yourself. Hello to you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a lot of use out of that one. <laughs> I really like that a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's see. Let's go around the L. Uh, plug your uh, Twitter handle there before you get out of here. At L underscore O underscore punk. At L-O punk. And uh, Angela is at Angers. Cheese plug your Twitter handle. Uh, it's C-H-Z-B-A-C-O-N. Cheese All right. Bacon. Nice. And what about you, Joe? I'm at Joe Ressington. And you, Wes? I'm at West Bain. And I'm at Chris LES. The network is at Jupiter Signal. We'll be live next Friday with more clips, but maybe not. I mean, we're going to have so many people in the studio, we might just hang out. So that's really what I set this whole thing up for, was really for that. And then I figure if people really like it, after Linux Fest, we might keep it going. But we'll just take the temperature and see where things go. But join us next Friday. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time. We'll do it at jblive.tv. And the IRC room is irc.geekshed.net, pound Jupiter Broadcasting. Or you can go to jblive.tv. And we got it embedded over there. Also, pro tip, bit.ly slash Jupiter chat. All right. See you back here next Friday. 